From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Governor Phil Bryant gives his thoughts on a Donald Trump presidency. President-elect Donald Trump knows Mississippi. He knows we we were at his side during the victory, and we will be at his side during the governing. Then, if Obamacare is repealed, what happens to Mississippians insured under the Affordable Care Act? Later, state NAACP President Derek Johnson on how civil rights in Mississippi could fare under Trump. And have you had vittles lately? I bet you have. Find out more in today's book club. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi GOP leaders and Donald Trump supporters are celebrating the results of Tuesday's presidential election. President-elect Trump handily defeated his opponent, Democrat Hillary Clinton, in the state by more than 200,000 votes. At state Republican Party headquarters yesterday, Governor Phil Bryan told the crowd Mississippi has a lot to gain from President Trump. President-elect Donald Trump said this, Now it is time for America to bind the wounds of division. To all Republicans, Democrats, and independents across this nation, I say it is time for us to come together as a united people. As I watched that, I reflected again of President Lincoln's immortal words of bind up the wounds of the nation. Now, we might say this nation has been wounded during this campaign, but we understand campaigns can be difficult, and they can separate one person from another. There are many joys that we can cherish from last night's victory. It would be all too easy to feel vindicated and boastful. But President-elect Trump has called on us to be a people united. As governor of this great state, I will heed those words and ask all Mississippians to come together as one today. As citizens of this nation, we must be united in civility and in trust. We must be united in accepting the results of this historic election and its true potential. This is our opportunity to join the next president in making America great again. <laughs> knowing, that, knowing that in this, na- in this making will be for all people. Mississippi now has left an indelible mark upon this election. The president-elect knows our state and its people, and their potential to rise together, and in doing so, help lift his administration and this nation. President-elect Donald Trump knows Mississippi. He knows we we were at his side during the victory, and we will be at his side during the governing. As the president-elect said, we seek common ground, not hostility, but partnership, not conflict. So I ask all Mississippians who are rejoicing or brooding today to lay down your pride or your disappointment and come together. We have this ordained opportunity to be a part of this administration for the benefit of our state, our nation, and our people. Mississippi, like Donald Trump, has often been misunderstood and seen only for our imperfection. Today begins a new defining for this 
President-elect and for our Mississippi. Let us go together forward. Governor Phil Bryant yesterday at State Republican Party headquarters on what a Trump presidency might mean for Mississippi. Up next, if Obamacare is repealed, what happens to Mississippians insured under the Affordable Care Act? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. About one in five Americans now lives in a state where recreational marijuana is legal. That's after ballot initiatives passed in several states this week, including California. Advocates there say it's a tipping point. It's going to change a national discussion on cannabis reform. I'm Audie Cornish. That story later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Today is Thursday, but you know what tomorrow is. It's Friday, and that means high school football. Hello, everyone. I'm Russ Robinson. Join me, Jay White, Jake Wimberly, George Broadstreet, and the whole gang as we bring you all the scores and the stories that make up high school football across the state of Mississippi. So join us tomorrow night at 10, right here on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. President-elect Donald Trump's promises to repeal and replace Obamacare with something better has health care advocates in the state concerned about the impact on Mississippians. Roy Mitchell is with the Mississippi Health Advocacy Program. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier Congress may not repeal the health insurance program, but it could make changes like ending tax credits, which reduces the costs of premiums. The president-elect said as late as last week that he's going to repeal and replace the ACA. And what that means for consumers is that subsidies will no longer be available for the program. Now, for him to do that, it will probably be attached to the debt ceiling bill in Congress that comes up in March. The process may play out a few months, but uh, it's going to be a, a critical issue for consumers come this summer. Meanwhile... Um, uh, consumers in Mississippi can still enroll for coverage in 2017. The enrollment dates are still in place. Um, The navigators are in place, the assisters are in place, and the coverage will extend through 2017. So nothing has changed as of now. Um, Perhaps more critical is um, the president-elect's promise to block grant the Medicaid program. Um, The president-elect is supportive of block granting the Medicaid program. Members of Congress are supportive of block granting the Medicaid program. And also, uh, members of our state legislature are supportive of block granting the Medicaid program. What the block granting of a Medicaid program does is it sets a certain amount based on a calculation of population and per capita income that gives the state an allotted amount for the Medicaid program. No more. And so, essentially, it it helps the federal government balance their budget because they're giving the states a set amount. In return for that set amount, the state government has more flexibility with the program. But that flexibility means that recipients of Medicaid can be cut at will from the program. Um, So 
as you can imagine, um, as consumer advocates, uh, we're opposed to such a change because while it would ultimately slash the federal funding, it would also reduce provider payments and ultimately leave thousands of Mississippians without health care. And this is all tied in with the Affordable Care Act, but not in Mississippi because we didn't expand Medicaid. It, it is tied into the Affordable Care Act in that there was a Medicaid expansion, yes. But um, Medicaid program and block granting it is, is actually separate from the Affordable Care Act. However, it is something that Mississippi healthcare consumers should be aware of. In terms of just talking about the Affordable Care Act, Anyone who buys insurance right now, it's going to be good through 2017? Uh, yes. If you enroll, and if you enroll before December 15th, you will be eligible for coverage for the year 2017. And as we've stated before, there's thousands of Mississippians who are eligible for tax credits for 2017 that aren't taking advantage of it. So this may be short-lived. If the, the dates are in place now, the, uh, the eligibility, Building guidelines are in place, so if you do not have coverage, I strongly urge you to look at the ACA, look at our website, covermississippi.org, to see if you're eligible and what you're eligible for, because these tax credits more than likely will be short-lived. How are you feeling about this? Naturally, I've, you know, I've dedicated most of my professional career to working toward coverage expansion. I do not feel good about it, but uh, this is my job, you know, I'm we put our head down. Um, we continue to work for coverage. It's working for coverage in Mississippi has never been easy. Um, so uh, we're, we're a bit callous to, to these kind of uh, policy decisions that uh, are, seem to be inequitable. MPB's Desiree Fraser with Roy Mitchell of the Mississippi Health Advocacy Program on how Donald Trump's promise to repeal Obamacare might affect Mississippians getting insurance through the program. Up next, state NAACP President Derek Johnson on how civil rights in Mississippi could fare under Trump. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. About one in five Americans now lives in a state where recreational marijuana is legal. That's after ballot initiatives passed in several states this week, including California. Advocates there say it's a tipping point. It's going to change a national discussion on cannabis reform. I'm Audie Cornish. That story later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Civil rights leaders and others opposed to a Donald Trump presidency now have a chance to face that reality head on. With Supreme Court appointments and policy decisions hanging in the balance, many advocates are taking a wait-and-see approach. We spoke with Derek Johnson, president of the Mississippi chapter of the NAACP. He says the presidential election was a referendum on the establishment of both of the major parties. The election signify a real concern for civil rights advocates across the country, but particularly in Mississippi. Uh, the questions around voting rights protection is one that's uh, something that we have to consider may not come into existence under his presidency. 
the appointment to the Supreme Court would bring into question many civil rights protections that uh, African Americans, women, and many minorities have gone, grown accustomed to. Uh, those protections may be eroded. Uh, there may be there are several cases uh, making their way up to the Supreme Court, particularly around voter ID. Uh, the case out of the Fifth Circuit and so, several other areas; those things are now going to be in question. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, he's the president of the United States, and we have to see what come out of his presidency. In his acceptance speech, in his victory speech, he reached out to Americans, sort of embracing, saying we're all going to come together and work together. And do, do you think that's that will happen? Is that a possibility? Is it a probability? Well, there are a lot of promises there. And uh, he has a huge debt he owes to uh, working class whites, particularly in the Midwest. Uh, many of them are suffering because of what they see as bad economic policies that have taken their jobs away. Uh, and he has to create a policy frame to speak to that. Uh, and he has to do do so in short term. Uh, for African Americans uh, who live in many of those same areas who work in those industries, whatever he do for those working class whites in those areas also will benefit African Americans. Uh, because if the issues uh, were around jobs, job creation, losing jobs, African Americans have been most adversely affected. So hopefully he can deliver on those promises to produce opportunities. Uh, what I did see in this election is when you don't have a message of hope for people who are are becoming more and more disgruntled and hopeless, then the messages of fear will supersede every time. He did reach a lot of people, though, who were disgruntled, a lot of disgruntled voters, and we hear about angry Americans who feel they're not being represented in Washington, D.C., but you're saying that's not necessarily the case with African-Americans? I say that is the case for many people. Uh, African-Americans, our experiences are different. And as a result of that, uh, we look at the economic picture, but we also understand the social issues that confront us as well and the need for civil rights protections. Uh, when you look at the map of where he won this election in the Midwest, uh, it's the same area where Bernie Sanders won over Hillary Clinton in the Midwest. Uh, that should resonate uh, uh, moderately for Democrats, that that they have to get a message that speaks to uh, working class uh, whites across this country, but particularly in that region. Unlike uh, the southern region where individuals have used the tools of race or religion or sometimes even region to justify uh, economic policy that's not in the best interest of majority of the working class people, black or white. The Midwest have not been as susceptible to those type of messages if there is an alternative message of hope. That's why uh, President Obama was able to win key areas across the state of Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Uh, but, but, you know, on the other side of that, that's probably why uh, candidate Hillary Clinton was unable to win those areas because those communities could not resonate with how their economic picture, their per family picture, will be improved through her presidency. Do you think the Bernie Sanders voters stayed home and, and played a big part in this election and her loss? Well, it's early, early, too early to tell. Uh, the few exit polls uh, reports that I've seen that the Bernie Sanders uh, voters actually did go out to vote. Uh, some of them didn't vote for her. Uh, and that's the reality that, that Democrats have to re wrestle with. I think this election was more about an anti-establishment election than anything else. Uh, the Republican Party uh, did not field any candidates that their base wanted 
Therefore, they got an uh, individual that's, that was not a part of their establishment in the name of Donald Trump. Well, the Democratic Party also pushed back against the establishment candidate, and we've seen the insurgent candidacy of a Bernie Sanders, who, who also is not a traditional Democrat in many ways. Uh, that speaks volume that I think is less about uh, Donald Trump or less about Bernie Sanders, and it's a lot about the establishment parties that people are disgruntled because they're not seeing an economic picture that's to, in their interest. African-American voters are often associated as voting Democratic. Now we have uh, a Republican president-elect. We have a Republican-controlled House and a Republican-controlled Senate. Will the Republican uh, majority speak to issues that are important to Democrats? You know, they have an opportunity to change the recent history of the Republican Party, ignoring many of the uh, issues African-Americans care about. Uh, this is their opportunity to show if they will speak to it. Uh, there was a time where African-Americans were overwhelmingly Republican. Uh, it was considered the party of Lincoln. Uh, that transition happened in the early 60s because of s- support for civil rights legislation and what was taking place. And in doing so, African-Americans switched their political allegiance, and by and large, because of policy issues like the Voting Rights Act, uh, policy issues like the Civil Rights Act, and many other protections to ensure that African-Americans would be treated with full citizenship and with dignity. And in many cases, we care about that, as well as the economic outlook of this country and, and opportunities for, for our, many in our community. Derek Johnson is the president of the Mississippi chapter of the NAACP. Derek, thank you for coming in. Thank you. Up next, have you had vittles lately? I bet you have. Find out more in today's book club. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Coming up this week on MPB's At Issue, election upset. The voters have chosen businessman Donald Trump to be the next president of the United States. MPB political analysts Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones break down how Trump defeated Hillary Clinton, what they expect during the Trump presidency, and what it could mean for Mississippi. Join us for Mississippi's only statewide television news program, At Issue, this Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB-TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Few things say as much about the South as food does. And in Appalachia, it's no different. In her new book, Vittles, an Appalachian journey with recipes, Ronnie Lundy dives deep into the mountains to examine the foods and fables of that rugged landscape. Along the way, she samples mountain traditions from salt-cured ham to corn liquor. We spoke with Lundy in today's book club. First, we just wanted to know what vittles actually means. It is an English word, and it was always phonetically pronounced vittles. That was the correct way to say the word, V-I-C-T-U-A-L-S, is to make the word look a little bit fancier. Um, but it has never not been pronounced vittles. When world. we hear vittles, I mean, when I hear vittles, I think of the Beverly Hillbillies and Granny. Exactly. Exactly. But really, you should think of a nice English Don at Oxford, you know, asking for his meal. Why do I have my victuals now? (laughs) (laughs) For all of the different regions included in your Appalachia, are there distinct 
foods and recipes that are different from another region in Appalachia. Yes. Also, distinct words. For instance, where I come from in eastern Kentucky and through a lot of West Virginia and kind of think of what you think of as coal mining area, although it's not all that. But in that particular region, for instance, the dried green beans that are so distinctive to the whole Appalachians are normally called chuck beans. When you go below the Blue Ridge Mountains, that's where they start to be called weather bridges, and there are little pockets where they're called fodder beans. There are a couple of arguments whether or not chow chow is Appalachian, and these get into very small pockets. What is chow chow? Chow chow is a relish that is whatever was left over in the garden at any particular time that that you didn't need to can in and of itself. You threw it together and pickled it, added a sweet sort of pickle, and it becomes a sweet relish. It's chopped up. In the book, I make a version called a ginger bean chow chow, which is unusual but uses green beans and lima beans and onions and spices and a little bit of sweetness. So it's a sweet relish. There are places in Apple where people say we don't make chow chow and there are other places where people say it is absolutely one of the most Appalachian things we make. One other thing that I think is fascinating is that winter squash are very beloved. Uh, Pumpkins were usually used for jack-o'-lanterns and to feed the pigs, but winter squash, which have deeper and richer flavors, are very loved. What is your favorite? Is there something that you discovered in your journeys, and you went, oh my gosh, this is a hidden treasure. There are these that I that I believe are hidden treasures of Appalachian food that are not made anywhere else. And they would include shuck beans, dried apple stack cake, and sour corn and pickled beans, which are corn and green beans that are fermented. You can make corn chow chow like I was talking about, which means you put it in a sort of spicy sweet brine. For sour corn and pickled beans, you're putting the vegetables in a crock in a salt brine and you're letting them get yeasty and fermented. And then you drain them and you cook them in a little bit of bacon grease and you serve that as a main dish, not as a side dish and certainly not as a relish. Those are things that are distinctly done in Appalachia and have incredible taste and flavor. There's a thing I call hillbilly umami that comes from this kind of mix of sweet and salty and this fermentation and preservation. So these are things that I think of that are distinctly Appalachian. We have winter in the Appalachians because of our geography and our topography. Um, We have shorter growing seasons because we have these steep hills going up. You know, we don't get the range of sunlight that you get deeper in the south. And so we had to practice a number of preserving methods. People had to preserve ham. We didn't do the kill the pig and everybody eat it at once. It was kill the pig and let's make sock sausage and country ham and home-cured bacon We didn't have the luxury of a long-growing season or a second-growing season or an early-growing season. So preserving becomes a major part of the Appalachian table, and it extends back well before the days of the mason jar. Well, you'll find lots of recipes in the book Vittles, spelled V-I-C-T-U-A-L-S. We've been speaking with its author, Ronnie Lundy. Ronnie, thank you for being with us. Karen, thank you so much. It was a delight to talk to you. 
And Ronnie Lundy will be signing her book tonight at 6 o'clock at Square Books in Oxford. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Creature Comforts, MPB Season Pass, and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. It's Mark.